Is making real estate investments part of your 2024 plans, but you're not quite sure how to start? We recommend reaching out to Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group and Bryce Gonzer of Fulcrum Home Loans. They'll get you a detailed update on the market and review your situation to figure out what's best for you. They also have great resources for getting out of debt, investing in alternative currencies, and business development. And they also speak specifically to peers in real estate, giving hugely valuable tips and tricks. Make sure to give them a follow. It's cold in Idaho, and that cold, dry air can play havoc on your skin. Whether you're looking for information on skin health, product reviews, age management, or general wellness, Dr. Dustin Portella has answers on his internationally renowned TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram channels. You can also catch his conversations with other skincare specialists on his podcast and access his skincare line, Dean, at Treasure Valley Dermatology. Want to know more? Listen to our conversation with Dustin on our recent episode, Doctor to TikTok Superstar. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Natalie Plummer. In this episode, I get a little personal. We dual release with the podcast Confessions of a CEO, hosted by Kelsey of the Boise Breakfast Club and We Are Sheroes. I was invited to sit down with Kelsey for an intimate discussion about working professionally and very visibly on social media. We discussed dealing with the algorithm, burnout, trolls and haters, and also how to find success on social media. This is the first episode I really go deeply into the beginnings of my social media career and how it started over 16 years ago. It ended up being a very raw and vulnerable discussion about the realities of being a very visible local public figure. We hope you enjoy. Today I have with me Natalie Plummer. She is a local Boise influencer, social media queen, if I don't say so myself. She <laughs> is a podcast host, a mom, a wife, the list goes on. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Me too. Okay. Start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself, how you got into what you're doing today. Sure. Well, I've been working in social media about 17 years now. I started monetizing about when you could start monetizing social media. So I was a, a mommy blogger at first without the intention of doing it professionally. It was more just like, that's what you did. You started blogs and got sponsors really quickly, I think, because I was very vulnerable and very open with like just chaos that motherhood suddenly like created in my life and in my space. And I wasn't I wasn't surrounded by a community where I felt supported because we lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I had no family, really no friends. So I kind of leaned on this blogging community for like, is this normal? And it was kind of the beginning of realizing that community on social media was real and valuable in it. And it was just so brand new there because at that time, that, that was just not a thing. Now it's so common to think about your social media friends, your Instagram friends, this, these communities. This was brand new then. So I kind of stayed in that for nine years and then blogging kind of started to wane, took a little break and then moved into Instagram. Not me personally, like my face being out there, but I had some medical things I needed to pay for that insurance wasn't going to pay for. So 
I started a social media management company here in the Treasure Valley. And within like the first year, I had some of the largest companies in the area and I was running their social media completely, copy, content, everything. And then I started Hello Meridian and it was just going to be a page about basically businesses here and what was happening. No one really was doing anything like that. It was, there were a couple kind of local pages, but I thought, oh, I can do this a little more personally. And then for the first two years, I didn't put my face on the page at all. Mm -hmm. And then I, for some personal reasons, kind of like a it was kind of like an F you to my life and my situation. I decided <laughs> to put my face on there and it became an influencer thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I have so many questions to debrief. So <laughs> when you first like joined momhood mm-hmm. and got involved with like blogging and all that, how did you find that? How do I find blogging? Yeah. Like, how did you find that that was an avenue for you to connect and get involved with other moms so that you didn't feel so alone? So my very first blog post I ever did is actually a picture of me like in bed with the covers over my head, which now is totally normal. But at that time, you just didn't post stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was just like all smiley pictures. And I was like, this sucks. I do not want to start a blog. But apparently, this is what I'm supposed to do on top of the 9,000 other things I'm responsible (laughs) for as a mom. And I listed them like I'm supposed to make three meals a day and I'm supposed to make all these appointments. And basically what I, I didn't realize because I didn't have the words was I was dealing with massive burnout from the mental load. Mm -hmm. Because I had been full time career before that completely in charge of my own schedule in charge of my life. And then you have this, you know, someone who you now are in charge of keeping alive (laughs) and that dynamic change with your partner. So I honestly just, I didn't want to do it. So I just was like, whatever, I guess this is what my family expects is for me to post pictures here. And I did it. And then people started sending those articles or whatever to each other. Oh my gosh. And so I started getting this following out of nowhere. Like I never... I didn't really look for it. And then when I had several thousand, then I had, I think my first big one was Huggies, Mm -hmm. um, asked me to be a Huggies mom. And basically what I would, they, like, I would create some content and they were kind of sponsoring. So then, then I became, I worked with Johnson and Johnson and I worked with so many companies that, and so when they're showing your blogs, Mm -hmm. it's sending copious amounts to you. And I was the mom speaking on behalf of Huggies on their Facebook page. So I'm like, hey, I'm Natalie from my blog name. And I'd be like, what questions do you have for me? And then those people would go to my blog. And so that's really how it happened. It wasn't like I was out searching. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't as involved with other people's pages because I was kind of shutting down. I was really just kind of putting stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And then people would comment and it would kind of give me some validation. Mm-hmm. So you're just being real. You were yeah. showing up and like emotionally just laying it all out on the table. Yeah. So I wasn't like involved. I didn't go to blogging conferences. <laughs> I didn't do any of that stuff that like was really big, especially like in Utah. Yeah. Utah blogging culture was really odd and very uncomfortable for me. And like I didn't really want to have anything to do with that because it felt I mean, some of it was great. Some of it was super cringe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just like, whatever, I don't, I was in such a low mental state in many ways that I just was like, 
here it is. But at the same time, I was feeling so much joy. And I shared that too. And I also started one of the first Etsy pages or Etsy mm-hmm. shops. So I, when Etsy started, I opened one of the first like 200. And oh so I was also connected to like other Etsy bloggers because yeah. I was like a huge community too. So the first of us who did that, we really were tied in to each other. Were you making stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a store. Um, I made homemade jewelry and I made jewelry for local boutiques. And I also would find vintage jewelry and I'd turn them into headpieces for brides. Oh my gosh, yeah. you're a woman of many talents. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was just, I, you know, honestly, money was so tight mm-hmm. after the crash, like in 2008. We were so broke mm-hmm. and we realized that we couldn't afford to go to dinner. Like we, it was not budgeted in. And so I honestly just started figuring out ways to make some money so our lifestyle didn't suffer so much. And I'm pretty like creative in that, in that way. So yeah. yeah. When you're scrappy, you can make it happen. Yeah. I feel like if, there, if there's a will and if you want something bad enough you're you'll find a yeah. way and I was taught like some really messed up messages like as a woman that like money was going to come from saving like couponing and like you know really denying yourself things I'm like that's completely the opposite yeah I'm like no I'm gonna find ways to make money I'm gonna invest more in myself I'm gonna buy that freaking cup of coffee get my hair done so I feel good mm-hmm. and then I'll go out with confidence to bring money in instead of starving myself from the things I want. I agree. It keeps you in that like scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and you're like constantly feeling like you're just like scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. That is amazing. <laughs> so when did you start Hello Meridian? I started that page in 2016. Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. That is amazing. And when you first started, you said that it was nobody was doing it here. Mm -hmm. And it was like this new idea. Where did you come up with that? Well, originally, I came up with it because a local real estate agent who was interested in my services for like social media management, she's like, I want to dominate here. I want to dominate the message. I want to dominate whatever, all these things. So She's like, how do I do that? And I was like, well, what do people want? What do people need? And I'm like, oh, what people want is to be told what's going on. And I did this whole pitch for her. It was called Life in the uh, in the Eight. What's the zip code in there? I don't even know. Anyway, I, can't, I'm I'm like, I live here in like 83646. Oh, yeah. Life in the eight eight four six whatever. So I pitched this idea. And I'm like, I can run it for you for like $600 a month. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, people will really like it. You can talk. And she's like, no, I don't want to talk about other businesses. Like, I want to talk about the houses I'm selling. I'm like, okay. So I was super deflated because I'm like, this was a really cool idea. And then I was like, I could do that. And I had like, I was running really, you know, some big accounts and I wanted to grow them. And I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense because then I can organically talk about all these businesses. Mm -hmm. And I don't run the only business, only page I run now I'm still the creative director at Roaring Springs. Okay. But all the other ones, like my partners have, are taking over those. I don't do oh, that anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's thank a goodness. lot of work. It is. It yeah. is. That's amazing. Wow. That's so cool to see like the evolution of everything that you have done. I feel mm-hmm. like you've had your hand in so many different buckets and yeah. yeah. 
makes you so unique. Okay, so what is it actually involved in being a local influencer? Like, what are the things that you do on a day-to-day basis? So it's always changing, but I'm always thinking, I'm kind of mission-based, so I have to think what's valuable to the people who are watching, what's valuable to the companies I'm working with, and then what's what's part of my mission. So everything kind of has to fit around that, and obviously I need to make money. Mm-hmm. I'm involved in things that I am personally passionate about. Like That's a lot of the reasons why we started the Boise Bubble, mm-hmm. because I could get a little more in-depth for like local nonprofits and things like that. And then a mission of, I like to be involved in things that are very inclusive, kind of places of kindness. I think Idaho's kind of moving in an opposite direction from that. We've become pretty hard. And, you know, there's some messaging that just came out in some political stuff of somebody actually saying, like, maybe we're being a little too accepting of people in Idaho. I mean, this is somebody running for like a big position. I don't want to be that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely not. So I try to find things that like make sense for that. And then a lot of just businesses reaching out and figuring out if our brands work together Mm -hmm. and figuring out how we can kind of showcase that in an authentic way. Because if if I don't like it or if I don't like believe in it, um, it won't make sense. Right. So a lot of a lot of that. But then I'm also just going and checking things out. I like to get out of my house and like see cool things so I'm just like around a lot just like you might just see me randomly like poking my head in like what's going on here (laughs) just because it's it's fun and you know it it keeps me connected to the community yeah that is really fun I actually that's how I got involved in social media was like I interned at a company that did like highlighted local businesses and I'm like oh my gosh I have such a passion for small businesses and like making them known it's Mm -hmm. so fun yeah it is it is so fun and the stories behind it like I can't feature every business that opens here obviously that wouldn't make sense and also that wouldn't work for like if you talk about every business then you're just a marketing company yeah but like when really cool things are happening that's just fun because I mean small businesses are usually just run by families Mm -hmm. and people who have dreams and getting to help get that word out is very fulfilling yeah that's really rewarding What do you think has made Hello Meridian what it is and being such a successful, like it's the go-to Instagram account to figure out what's happening in Boise and the Treasure Valley? Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah. I think it's because my demographic is me. Like, I mean, I am a woman who lives in the Treasure Valley and like 85% of my followers are women. Mm -hmm. And so I think people just see it as like someone in their neighborhood who's posting about cool stuff and sometimes getting vulnerable about her life. Like that seems pretty approachable. Mm -hmm. So I think people probably like it because it's like, oh yeah, you know, she could live down the street from me and, you know, we'd say hi at the grocery store or whatever. And so when something feels familiar you usually resonate with that. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome if you did face any of these like limiting beliefs about being so vulnerable and open on your platform? Like, what did you do to kind of work through those feelings? I guess it depends on what things I'm vulnerable about. So the reason I put my face on my Instagram page was because I hit complete rock bottom. Like I had an experience where in one month I had like so much happen where my entire like friend group kind of imploded with like gossip 
And I had like a huge spiritual transformation. My marriage was just like a disaster. I found out I was super sick. And I realized that like, I had the possibility to just kind of shut myself away completely in just this almost despair. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I don't want to. And I realized that vulnerability or being yourself is like the only way to truly connect and to find safety amongst others because you learn very quickly. And so doing that just felt like very natural. I've been doing it for so long on my blog. Mm -hmm. And if people didn't like it, I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't need everyone to like me. In fact, if everyone liked me, I'd probably be doing something wrong, <laughs> you know, cause I don't want to pander. Yeah. Like everyone is going through this stuff. So if you're pretending like you're not, like it's not fooling anyone mm -hmm. and I'm not going into heavy. I mean, I have so much stuff going on and I have, I seriously share maybe 10% of it. Right. If I shared a hundred percent of it, that would be a massive like trauma at like, that would be too much. Mm -hmm. You know, people would be like, no, you got to stop. <laughs> but at this level, it's like, I think it's okay to give 10% of your, of yourself yeah. to people and see how it, how it goes. And, and the conversations I have offline are insane. They're mm -hmm. so beautiful. People sharing these trials and struggles and stories. And I feel so honored, but I think people feel a familiarity because I've given something so they feel safe to do that in return. And that's really that's a special a relationship to have with your community. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. When you share these vulnerable stories or your opinions about things, like I know we have similar stories in like receiving backlash and backstabbing people, people talking shit about you. Mm -hmm. Like how do you deal with that? Because obviously it's as easy as blocking them, but internally that freaking hurts. Yeah. So I haven't dealt with a ton of like backstabbing stuff in like business mm -hmm. because you can see pretty quickly who's not safe, who has kind of mean girl vibes, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of try to separate myself from them a little bit. And then if I hear anything, it's just like, oh yeah, that's expected. Yeah. You know, so I don't take that stuff personally because if somebody just has this this way of being where they're in a scarcity mode, so they're going to find negativity around them, then I don't take that personally. I guess if I gave something so purely of myself and like everyone really went down on it, I would, that might hurt. <laughs> that sounded weird. <laughs> like, I, I'm like so invested in this uh, that I didn't even catch. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I try to kind of stay out of politics. It feels like I don't because... I have been very open about certain things, but to be honest, like, I mean, I am pretty, I stay pretty far, but like when uh, the library thing happened where they're trying to like dissolve the Meridian library, like I had to mm -hmm. stand up and people who are angry about that, that's completely okay. It's yeah. okay. You disagree with me, but like, I'm not going to not fight for our libraries just because it makes some people mad. That didn't hurt like at all. Yeah. To have that backlash. Yeah. yeah. Like what hurts is when I hear my close friends, if I have hurt my real friends or I've isolated them, or if I've said something that, and that doesn't happen a lot, but you know, you have to be careful when you're a public figure of managing your real relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's when I have failed. Mm -hmm. And that's when it, that's when it really, really hurts. Cause I, I caused that. I did that. Mm 
Mm-hmm. What do you do to amend the situation and like make it better? I think to just fully acknowledge your fault mm-hmm. and explain what you're going to do better. Like my sister lives here and she's like the most just genuine sweet person and would do anything for anyone. And I did not value that relationship like I should have because I was so overwhelmed with work and trying to make some financial goals or making just whatever. Like, And so like my relationship with her was not being attended to when in 10 years, who cares what I made in 2023? Yeah. What's my relationship with my people? And so to just fully admit it and not give excuses Mm -hmm. and it's, and to just be like, I'm so sorry. That was my fault. I will fix it and then fix it and change. Yeah. That is such a big challenge because I feel like as entrepreneurs, we're so just innately driven Mm -hmm. and have our eyes on the prize, whatever that is. And it, when we reach one milestone, then it's just like on to the next. And we don't even, even give ourselves a chance to celebrate it sometimes. For sure. How do you manage your relationships and not get too caught up in just being this ambitious female founder? I mean, that's such a a huge, such a huge topic. I'm assuming you deal with that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think it's to really realize that, that achieving for achieving sake is such a trap and to ask the why, like I totally had to shift in the last year, just this year, I completely changed my direction, my goals just so much because I was not giving myself the most important thing, which was stillness and reflection because I was just moving forward and it was always just momentum because I could. Mm -hmm. And then frustration because I'm a mom of three and I'm like the main parent and I have like health issues and then just constantly being frustrated, knowing what goals I could make and not able to. But I, I started looking back at some of the things like even I accomplished or did in the last year that like five years ago, I would have been so blown away that happened. Mm-hmm. Did I even really stop and just like stop for a second and everything was done? It was achieved. No, it was just like, okay, that was achieved. Now, how do I promote that thing? And how like, yeah, it's such a focused effort to be like, I call it like the difference between there's movement and there's stillness. And sometimes when you're an entrepreneur and driven, it is just all movement. It's move all the time. And I'm like, I can force myself into stillness, even though it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's what's crazy is just like my joy just started just the exponential growth of that. I'm like, oh, I've been missing. I've been missing a lot in the pursuit of perceived and visible success. Yeah, I was in the exact same spot last year, like building such momentum. And then I had my head so far down, like in the weeds of things that I, when I looked up, I was like, am I even where I want to be? You Mm -hmm. know, like, because you get so caught up in the day to day. And exactly like you were saying that you were missing out on the joy. Like I didn't even, it hurt so bad to reflect back on 2022 because of like I didn't feel joy Mm -hmm. but and that was that was the worst realization even though I was successful I was like hell yeah let's go but I didn't enjoy what I was doing and so what did you make a change 
Yeah. What did yeah. you do? Oh my gosh. I like cut my client roster by like 75%. Oh wow. And just have chose to coast this year instead of foot on the pedal. And it has been amazing. Why do you think it's been amazing? Like, why would you call it that way? Because it has given me time to reflect, actually, and focus on where I do want to be growing and where I do want to go and where I want to take it. It's given me the space in my schedule to have like downloads and be like, oh my gosh, like these great ideas and focus on creating a lot more intentional things to serve my audience better. I've been able to take off random days and be like, I don't feel like doing anything today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that yesterday. Yeah, it's just the best. And I can be present with my husband. I'm not working until freaking 8pm because I can and I want to like I, I make dinner and we have time together. So yeah, it's been much more joy filled. So what's the message then? I guess like as you know, we've both been what did you start in 2019? 2018. Yeah, I was like, you said it 2018. I said it 2000. I wonder if that's because I'm old. How I say it. <laughs> like, do you think that there's a message for women entrepreneurs who are maybe just feeling themselves and they haven't they haven't realized that yet? Mm -hmm. Like that the burnout is coming. Like, do you have to hit burnout before you understand it? Or do you think there's any way to like start out with those kind of boundaries? Yeah, that's a really great question. <laughs> I want to be I want to talk about it openly so that people realize like how long it takes to recover once you get to that point mm -hmm. because like I'm now feeling like okay I can start you know fueling the fire mm -hmm. again that's almost an entire year yeah of like chill mm -hmm. and so I feel like being a voice to what I went through and vulnerably sharing about it and like how shitty it was will help people be like, oh yeah, I don't want that. But some people are like, they just got to learn it yeah. themselves, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I would just wonder, I think just because I've been in social media as long as social media has been around, yeah, that vanity metrics and like to be able to see growth not only on your side but also that it's so public mm. I think that starts to take over like what can I well and also because things are so like small in how long they they last like in in a constantly changing space like social media you can do this thing that's so awesome so incredible and like it's forgotten in in a week yeah and so when you're kind of pandering to your viewership and who's consuming, I mean, that race is unwinnable. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there is no way to keep up with that. But when you're in the beginning and and you're just seeing, you're seeing everyone achieve because you're, you're watching hundreds of people. So yeah. obviously. And that's like, all they post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why, that's why, you know, go, to go back of like the vulnerability, it's not hard because the more you're vulnerable about it, the more that we, ratchet down this inane idea that this is easy, that this is healthy, that our life is supposed to be constant movement. And 
if I had had that message, I would have had a lot less sorrow. I mean, I just had to go through it and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause now I have such an insane, like no F's given. I don't know if you swear on this. Yeah. You you know, (laughs) when when you own no, so completely, I think you either come with that or you have to earn it or you have, you know, sometimes it just has to happen. You have to go through it, but I'm hoping the more that the hustle culture is talked about and how dangerous it is, the more people will kind of blink out of it and realize this is this is not not worth it. Yeah, it's really not because you can literally obliterate all of your friendships mm-hmm. and your personal life and you essentially become your business. Exactly. But that's not the reason that you're building the business. The business is supposed to fuel your happiness and your personal life and all of the travel or whatever you want to do with the money that it's bringing you. Yeah, I know. It's just it's it's just something I can I think it's kind of like motherhood, like you think, you know, what's going to happen and then it happens and you're like, I had no (laughs) idea. Like, I think it's kind of like that. You just kind of have to to go through it and, and realize like this doesn't define you. It might mm-hmm. bring you great relationships, but hopefully the relationships are built on who you are mm-hmm. and not what you produce. I don't want people to to only like me for, I don't know, the shiny. I think you you become aware of who who likes you for those things and who who's connected to you in, in, in reality, but you have to go through some fires to get there. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are like the warning signs of you're headed towards serious burnout? Like what were the, like the red flag symptoms that were coming up for you that you were like, ah, ah. Well, I never stopped working. Mm-hmm. I mean, every second I was trying to fit something in and rest had become something I had forgotten how to do because um, rest is anything. I just read this. Rest is anything that basically allows your nervous system to shut down enough that you are kind of removing yourself from this fight or flight. Mm. And so like, I realized I hadn't played guitar in like a year and I love playing guitar. Like that was, a that used to be what people define me as, is like the person who sang in, in a band, you know? Oh my gosh. And then I wasn't crocheting, which sounds weird, but like, because my hands couldn't hold a phone and I was having a hard time really listening to conversations without my mind shifting and that's when it was the real trigger as I realized like people who I loved I would start to have something in my mind starting to go to my to-do list and I was like this is not who I want to be and I think that's when it was like who I want to be is not somebody cool on social media Mm -hmm. that is what makes me money and helps me to promote kindness who I want to be is someone who is present and makes people feel heard and is learning. And I was telling my husband, like, I think that my worst self is starting to become my most present entity. She's fucking powerful, mm-hmm. but at what cost? And then I, and I was like, in five years, who cares what? what award I won or how many likes something got, or even how much money I made in a year. Yeah. Like, are my kids going to feel like I saw them? Are my friends going to feel like I heard them? And I want to be that Natalie. 
Yeah. How did you, because obviously so many people, businesses want your time. How did you start to say no and set boundaries around your time? Because women have such a hard time saying no. Yeah, my boundaries are super clear. So one thing I don't have to give is time. Mm -hmm. So like, I am very limited. Like I have a price that you can, you know, have whatever for you're going to be on my page or whatever. And I don't take phone calls to discuss features because phone calls take time. Mm -hmm. Everything's done email unless we're, we're talking about like a year situation. I give 45 minutes to go to a business and then I need to be gone. Mm -hmm. If you want me in the weekend, it's like, I cannot tell you how much I am constantly like restructuring what people want based on no, that's going to take too much time. I'm sorry, that's going to take too much time. Oh, I I know that you think you want that thing, but like you're going to have to pay me double because it's it takes so much time. Mm -hmm. And when you make time your currency, it's very, very easy to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. There are some things that I don't get paid for everything I do. Like, and especially I support a lot of things and I and I do that pro bono. And even that, my major breakdown just realization was, after 2020, and I had so many nonprofits begging for help mm -hmm. that I was actually, I brought on a full time or I brought in a BSU graduate, like she was in graduate school, an intern just to manage my relationships with nonprofits. And oh they gosh. were not paying me. Yeah. And I actually had a meeting of, of trying to get volunteers to help me. Mm -hmm. I had this meeting and they, but they needed to be led. And I was in the car with my husband and I was like, this is going to be my full-time job. This is literally going to be everything that I can do. And all of a sudden it was like this trigger. And I was like, cause I'm like sobbing and he's like, I'm here to support you. And I'm like, dude, I don't have to do this. Like, I don't have to do any of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I can support nonprofits in the way that I can do it in my own way with my boundaries of time. And that was one of the reasons we started the podcast because it gave me a way to help without completely giving away every moment of my spare time. Yeah. And so I think when you see your time as your most valuable asset and know that like you can't go in debt for that, you can't borrow suddenly you're so much more careful. And I turn down speaking engagements all the time that look super cool, mm -hmm. but like the amount of time it takes to prep that. Like, a lot. No, yeah, like, <laughs> and to be very kind, especially when you are very open, like that's going to take a lot more time and bandwidth that I'm able to do. And then turn around like, this is what I could do, mm -hmm. or this is what I can do in like six months. Or if you prep all of this stuff for me and you do this, on my side, I can do this part. And when you get so in touch with the feeling that you have of, I feel good on every exchange instead of that, oh, what did I get myself into? Yep. The second you feel that, you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Know? Yeah. That's how I started because I was noticing with my first season of this podcast there would be some that I'm like, I don't even want to like come up with the questions because I'm not excited <laughs> yeah. to interview this person. Yeah. And as shitty as that is, like, you don't want that energy. You don't want that. No. So yeah, boundaries are hard, but definitely worthwhile. Yeah. Boundaries are power. They are. Okay. So going back to social media, 
How has the landscape of social media changed within the last couple of years? And how have you had to evolve your business and your posting strategy in order to like keep up with the changes? I would say that I don't (laughs) because social media is changing so fast that that is an automatic move into burnout. Mm-hmm. If you're having to follow every trend and everything, like I would go crazy. So I don't scroll Instagram very rarely. And people always think I must know what's up with them. But I'm like, I don't because <laughs> I don't, I work there. I don't really want to live there. You know, you scroll just to find trending sounds and all of these things. And so there are some things you have to do, like right. on social media, you have to write well. You need good grammar. You need quality content, like photos, and you need quality video and all that. But like, give what's valuable. Mm -hmm. And if you give what's valuable and what people want, don't stress so much about what's trending. Because again, you're going to be a slave to the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And, And that's okay if you have the time or really want to, or maybe you have some moments where you do it. But If you try to stay up with everything, you will go insane. Yeah. It causes analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. And then you have these expectations because you did the thing and you're trying the trend, you should immediately see the results. But it's never, results on social media is literally never guaranteed. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it just causes you to go crazy. Yeah, it's so random because people, like, they'll look at metrics and, like, that matters so much. But, like, I did a reel that, like, I spent so much time on and it did fine, not great. And then, like, right after um, there was, like, a, a vandalism at my favorite restaurant and I was pissed about it. So I just posted that picture mm-hmm. and it got, like, insane amount of likes and engagement. And it's, like, Why? Because that was actually like real and valuable and community oriented and people were like passionate about Mm -hmm. it. And if you're doing everything based on what's going to do really well for like the algorithm, what people will like, you just become someone who panders to those things. So are you serving? Who are you serving? You serve yourself and who you're trying to provide value to. And that's different from pandering to an algorithm Mm -hmm. who doesn't care about you. And is switching things up on purpose, yeah. you know? So, yeah, be very cognizant of, like, who's listening, mm-hmm. who's consuming. How do you manage all of the content that you are creating for your Hello Meridian page? Like, how do I structure it? Or I mean, like, the time it takes to do all of it. What does your creation process oh, sure. look like? So I, I'm pretty fast now. So I used to take so much freaking content, like, mm-hmm. oh, so much. Like I go to Tree Fort and I'd have like hours of content. <laughs> and now I realize like I have an eye to know the very few things I need. And because one of the things I've really changed, like with restaurants and things like that, is oftentimes people want me to come to actually experience it. Well, I can't experience it if I'm doing social media the whole time. So I have actually different tiered pricing. If you want me to come and set up like a whole thing where like everything's set out beautifully and everything is like, it's a, that's a photo shoot. That's Mm -hmm. a branding session. Yeah. That is not an experience. So that's going to cost a lot more because it's also not fun. That's just like, I mean, it's fun to do for work, but that's not 
playtime. Yeah. So if you want me to come to your restaurant and actually eat, I have like rules for that. Like first I have all the food sent to a different table than the table I'm sitting at with people mm-hmm. because then they're not part of that content creation. They have my time. I also ask for like to not be bothered by like the like I can talk with the owner or something before but like while I'm eating like let let me just eat and then I'm spending like seriously two minutes grabbing that content Mm -hmm. and then putting my phone down and then I one I don't have way too much content to deal with because it doesn't have to be perfect yeah it really doesn't Mm -hmm. and then because I have so little con not little but since I have a management of content I can get home, put it in a system, get a reel up in like half an hour, Yeah, which some of my friends who use like very high end, all these professional things, it might take them four hours. Well, my prices for businesses don't have a four hour structure. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to keep my prices pretty low because I'm able to, to do it faster. Yeah. But I have 20,000 photos and on my phone. Like, <laughs> I have like 50. I know. Why? It's, it's like, it's terrible. But, you know, that's like, that is my system holdup is I wish, I just wish iPhone. This is all I want in the world, I swear. <laughs> is for iPhone to let you put things into albums mm-hmm. and then they disappear from your Yes. Your role. Yes. So once they're in an album, you don't see them again. Yes. And I'm like, this can't be that hard. Uh Uh-uh. It is so infuriating. Yeah, because they already have like the thing that says all photos. So if I wanted to look at all photos. But I don't. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That would would make life a lot easier. Anyway, did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it did. So you create in the moment. No, not in the moment. Well, like shortly after. So what I found is that I would create stuff like three weeks before and then something would change Mm. or they would want something different. And so I was, it was, it wasn't great. So I try to post, like, I don't have a month scheduled in advance. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it the day of almost every time. Like I am waking up in the morning, getting a post out, posting it. And then it's like every day, but my content is very different from like your content, which Mm -hmm. is talking about, you're talking about one business. Mm -hmm. So you could schedule out a whole month. Right. And like, I can't do that because mine has to be like, what's happening now? Like I'm doing, um, there's a credit union that's opening tomorrow and like they are offering so much free stuff. Like for, you can come and eat basically all day for free. Oh so gosh. like, that's fun. I'll uh-huh. probably put that on my page because everyone likes free food. Well, I have to go and do it that day. And then I have to got to be able to get it up within half an hour. Yeah. So I've learned how to like do some of that stuff very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I like it. There's different strokes for different folks. (laughs) I wish I could, I wish I could group a post. Like it would be awesome. Uh And I do. And like Roaring Springs and stuff like that. You can do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. But not my own page. What is a social media trend that you are excited to see die at the end of 2023? Okay. I, (laughs) that's so random. I don't like response videos where somebody is somebody's got to post oh. a, and then you're they're silently like reacting acting as if it's the first time they've seen it and the, they, of course they can't make any sound because the sounds on that one it's like it's super obnoxious to me mm-hmm. because it's so it's so contrived yeah sometimes people do it okay and I've been like fine with it or just like they're watching it's kind of like a little chuckle but it's when they're acting so shocked by what they're seeing I'm like you literally watched this 20 times and decided to, <laughs> to like do a reaction video. Yeah. 
let's not let's not do that <laughs> i don't get the videos on tiktok that are like they're like doing this weird thing with like clay or oh, yeah. something and then another person is talking i'm like why are they doing that i, I don't, don't get it that's so random i do love the ones where it's like they're like um what would you call it like an add-on story where one person starts something and then another person and you have like 25 different people who are kind of responding in kind it oh. feels very community like hilarity uh-huh. but i don't like it when you're sometimes you can make fun of certain things like the girl who's opening the mercedes and she's like mercedes and like everyone <laughs> makes fun of her like minivan that's kind of funny yeah but like it, it does kind of hurt when you see the whole the whole internet community turn on someone mm-hmm. that feels it's i don't like that for for entertainment it just kind of hurts because that that can destroy someone people do not understand what that can do to someone especially someone young Mm -hmm. who's just kind of dipping their toes in showing them their face and they maybe just didn't do it perfectly Mm -hmm. my kids are not allowed on social media and i have an almost 18 year old Mm -hmm. like it does not help your mental state no definitely not yeah i know if somebody failed at the failed quote unquote on the first time and went viral and then they were just made fun of because yeah for no reason that would just destroy them yeah. they would never want to try anything new no it's so hard and like i hate going viral like i've had the stupidest things go viral oh, and then you have to manage those crazies because they it's like they professionally do this yeah and so and i delete really rude comments from especially if they don't follow me uh-huh. like if some guy from New Jersey giving some dick like response, I'm not leaving him on my page. Yeah. You don't get to come into my house. <laughs> yeah. Like you were not, you've never been here before. Yep. Yeah. That happened to me on TikTok. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? And how they have, how do they have so much time to like leave such rude comments? Yeah. Some people yeah. are creators and some people are consumers and some people are just tumors. Mm-hmm. We I just don't need any tumors. Them. Yeah. No warts in this house. No, no. <laughs> okay. So tell us what a typical day or t- typical week in your schedule, like what are you doing in a week in your life? Well, one of the reasons I do what I do is because it's all surrounding my parenting and the amount of time I'm spending managing children's schedules is insane. I usually don't have more than a couple hours at at a time to ever work. Mm -hmm. That's very, very hard for me. I want flow more than anything. Yesterday I had a whole day where I didn't have to do anything for children and I could not believe how much I got done. It was insane. So my day is super chaotic because I'm making like lunches and taking kids to school, then running home doing emails, then running another kid to school in the middle of the day. And then I run and then I do a podcast or I do a, you know, I, I meet, I have a meeting or I do content creation. Then I run home because kids are coming home from school. Mm-hmm. I'm getting dinner ready. Then I drive like a daughter to gymnastics. And then I sit in my car for two hours and I get my reels done. I look like a crazy person <laughs> all the time because it is so, it's so manic to, want to be a present parent during the day and that's why I do what I do to be able to do it but it's I think it's frustrating sometimes with businesses who want to work with me because I'll be like hey I got two hours Thursday in three weeks Mm -hmm. they're like what about tomorrow I'm like 
tomorrow I've got two dentist appointments and then I got to go to a mock gymnastics meet and then I got to go find my kids some new pants. Like, yeah. So that it's whatever it has to be every day to make my life happen. Mm -hmm. How do you manage the chaos of your life and also try to be to get into like a somewhat of a routine? The routine's hard. Like I try to find systems wherever I can, but I think I'm now I'm more like finding a lot of joy in the chaos because I have the freedom to have a life like that. Like so many parents would love to have the freedom to have such a chaotic, whimmy schedule, but they can't because they have to be at a desk mm -hmm. and they have to figure out how to make their life happen in between, you know, in the mornings and the night. So what used to cause me a lot of consternation now, I, I've kind of done this thing where I go from what I have to do to what I get to do. I get to drop everything and like go pick up my kids from school when they're sick because I've made a life that allows that. And so I had to let go of the idea that there were going to be systems that could stay in place. I just don't have that life. Mm -hmm. And I also don't have the success that would come if I did in some ways. <laughs> I would be a lot, I'd make more money. I'd probably have accomplished more, but who am I impressing with those accomplishments mm -hmm. if I'm not living the life day to day that, that I'm trying to create? Right. That doesn't align with your values mm -hmm. and the things that you want. You want to be present with your kids and you get to build a business that supports that. Yeah. So I have different, like I, I've changed a few things. Like I try not to have social media right in the morning, even though it's helpful. I'm trying to have more like time to be present. I'm trying to breathe more. I think I've just prioritized work lower and that's actually made things strangely easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. What is one of the biggest challenges that you have faced in growing your platform? I guess... I'd ask on that question, like, what do you mean? Like actually gaining more followers or gaining like as the business owner of Hello Meridian, like, what's, like what is a challenge that you have faced? It's very, it's a small town. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would recommend doing what I do in such a small town because I've changed the dynamic I have with my city. And in some ways that's wonderful. And then in some ways I feel like I've built up almost like a wall of like, I am a business person here and I have this thing that people know me for, but like, am I really living here just in safety and anonymity? No, not, not so much. So like dealing with that mentally of like, people know who I am, wherever I go is a lot to bring on. So that's been hard. And, and I guess just in the boundaries and, and realizing that when people are cruel, it just says so much more about them. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I didn't quite get that. I really did feel hurt because it felt like my neighbors were like hurtful. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're when you're you're working with people who are literally your neighbors all around you, and then they're unkind, it feels like a a very personal attack. Mm -hmm. And that was something I had to get my mind out of. Of like, we are a hurt people. We're not in a healthy place and everyone around me is hurting in some way and their attacks, it really isn't about me. Right. Yeah. It's never hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. To that same point, how do you manage that? Like the duality of being in the public eye and 
also wanting to live a private life and live as if you were just any but Joe Schmo on the street in Boise, Idaho? Um, I mean, I'm just an Instagrammer, so it's not like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just an Instagram page. <laughs> but you get what I'm but saying. I mean, so I think the vulnerability helps because yeah. if you can see the like, and people are going to see it way more because I'm about to go into some pretty serious surgeries next year. I'm going to be in a low state. So I'm not presenting some like big front. And so because I don't do that, it does allow me to feel a little safer because, yeah, you, this is who I am. And so the vulnerability really is a protection in some ways of just don't hold me to some expectation. But I do feel like I want to be really kind and on when people come to talk to me. So sometimes I will not go out when I'm pretty low or like the day before my period starts. I usually don't want to leave the house because yeah. I am too tired to really engage and I have to protect myself from that. But I also don't want anyone to feel like I'm disregarding them just mm -hmm. because I don't have the mental state to like talk to them about some posts that they liked. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I bet. Last question. I feel like this is a good one. How do you balance a healthy relationship with your partner and also have a thriving business? Yeah, I'll let you know when I <laughs> figure that out. I think we're really making big strides. Again, it was prioritizing. So one of the things, a simple thing was I started plugging my phone in and leaving it there. Mm -hmm. And when I went on walks with Shane, I'd make sure he had a phone just in case our kids need to get a hold of us. But I'm always in the mode of content creation. Everything is content. Yeah. And not because I'm working, because it's fun. Yeah. So I'd be like, I'd, I'd always be stopping conversations and I'd take pictures of like a beautiful sunset. It kills me sometimes to not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back to, does he feel heard? Does he feel listened? Does he feel focused on? And to realize work should never trump that. And so we have lots of expectations. Like we've talked about this before that like when we go to eat, we'll talk about what I need to do. And I'll say, I need to do this, this, and this. I need to take these photos. That's, and then that, then it's done. And sometimes he'll be like, I would rather not go mm -hmm. because I really want just time with you. And then I'd be like, okay, I'll go with a friend and then you and I can go on a real date. Mm -hmm. But we're still struggling to figure out just because his work is so chaotic. It still does put quite a bit of pressure on us. And, and you know, it might be that even though our podcast is really popular, we might just one day say it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And we've said that to each other, that if this hurts our relationship, it's okay to just to let it go. Yeah. And then that will be fine. Yes. You know, it's just a podcast. It's just a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It is challenging to figure out the balance and making sure that they're feeling loved and seen and cared for when we're so passionate about what we do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> is your husband like as driven as you? Yeah, he is very ambitious. However, he's actually from Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And so there they know how to like take a break and they know how to like sit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And for me, if I'm sitting and doing absolutely nothing, I feel like I'm being lazy. Yeah. So he'll be sitting and doing nothing. And I'm like, there's a pile of laundry. Yeah. There is dog hair covering the floor. There's leaves to be picked up in the backyard. Like, 
I just like see all of the things that need to be done and like physically it pains me yeah. to like sit and do nothing. I don't know if that's as much as an entrepreneurial thing as a woman thing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, have you read the book Fair Play? Huh? Oh, you need to. Okay. Oh my gosh. Now that you're married, it gave us, we didn't agree on everything, but like it is so much about how a woman's mind works and how we take on the responsibility of the entire household so uh -huh. much, even if we're both full-time working, it just, yeah. it statistically women are taking it on, but we see the world in a place of kind of what needs to be done. Cause if we don't, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And we have made a serious shift in our marriage and we've been married 22 years, mm -hmm. but just in the last year of realizing we need to have full ownership more equally so that those things are out of my brain. Yeah. So that he also doesn't sit down and just relax when he's got all this stuff on his plate that he's responsible for. Or if he is, I know they're still going to get done. And it allows me to actually rest. Mm. But when I was in charge of like, or when I would span or pan the room and I saw everything that needed to be done, there was physically no way for me to relax. Yep. And I'm like, do you want me to be able to relax with you? then let's work on this differently. And like, he's luckily I'm married to just like a really like self-aware human. And he did and he changed and yeah. we just shifted things. And now we can sit together and I really am able to clear my brain from that to-do list because I know they are going to all get done and it isn't all my responsibility. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to shout out Lisa Desolet. She oh was, my gosh. Yes. I love her. She was her, I don't know if it was a podcast with her. I think it was a podcast with her and her husband. And they were talking about equitable partnership and how the typical like dynamics, like the woman is supposed to vacuum, the man is supposed to go mow the lawn, mm -hmm. whatever. How when you have split up your responsibilities and taken ownership of the things like how do you guys, how did you pick and choose? Oh, you're, are you asking yeah, us? Yeah. Oh, well, one thing that we did was talked about the things that have to be done every day and on a, at a timely basis. Because what, what I realized is so many of the things that most men do can kind of be done anytime. And women had a lot of responsibilities, things that had to be done at certain times every day. So make dinner, do the laundry, like pick people, like anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that is a crushing load when it might seem like on paper that you're doing equal stuff. If it's not both things that are really urgent, then that's very stressful. So the two big things I brought up is doing dishes and doing laundry. And I'm like, I don't want to have the words, can you help me come out of my mouth anymore? Mm. Because it's not effing helping me. It is not my house. It is our house. Mm -hmm. And the fact that for 20 years I've been saying, hey, could you help me unfold the laundry? What? Why was I doing that? I'm a freaking feminist. Yep. Like, <laughs> why would I do that? So I was like, you're not helping me by folding laundry. Mm -hmm. Now, so I'm like, I can do one of these but I cannot do both of these. I will let you choose. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, I'm over laundry. And we talked about what that would look like. So I do my own laundry just because I prefer to do it that way. Yeah, um, they might mess it up. Yeah, and, also, <laughs> and honestly, I don't want to go to a structure. I just want to put it in when I want to. 
And he is now completely over laundry because one, he can do it kind of when he wants to. He built a folding station that he'd been saying he was going to do for a year. Oh my gosh. Once he took it on, it was done within 24 hours. (laughs) And like, I don't think about laundry. I might mention, hey, have you noticed that she's kind of out of pants? And I'm like, oh, right. But like, it's just, it's not something I even think about. Mm -hmm. And then the more you get into that habit, you can say, hey, there's this thing and this thing. Well, you can kind of say that, but the problem is I also don't want to manage. Right. Because managing a household is another huge mental load. So when you see everything through the through this idea of it's not my job, I am not his mommy. Yep. And he doesn't want a mommy. Yeah. You know, he wants a strong, independent woman who is happy and can focus. So he was pretty willing. And once we really saw it, we saw it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And now what's so great, oh my gosh, is like, I don't ask him to do anything. He'll come in and be like, hey, I just made a menu for the week and I'm gonna go grocery shopping. Do you want to add anything to it? And I'm like, I'm so turned on right now. <laughs> yes. But like, yeah. I don't tell him to do that. Uh-huh. He just, he sees what needs to be done and does it, mm-hmm. which all women are like, yeah, duh. But for some reason- that's just not automatic in relationships. Mm-hmm. But when it does happen, it is completely transforms everything. Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I love to end our podcast with a little confessional. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a personal shift that you're making right now? Okay, well, this might be kind of too personal, but so I left organized religion about it's been in the process for about 10 years and I still have a very strong spiritual life and, you know, I want to connect with the higher power. I am just now for the first time realizing that I don't always have to look outward for answers. It has been completely life-changing to kind of invest more in like meditation and to realize I had this, moment like in a meditation where we our hands were up and we were asking for like clarity and they said unless you would like to search inward for that clarity turn your hands over and I turned my hands over and it was like it was like something in myself exploded and it was answers I needed so badly and I had no idea that they were waiting for me and I'm starting to realize that I have answers and truth inside of me in this like part of me that connects with everything in the universe and I don't want to get too woo-woo but I am shocked Mm -hmm. how long it took me to trust myself for that and now I want to quiet myself and still myself because when you're moving fast all the time Mm -hmm. when it's always what's next who am I impressing what goal am I making you are never stopping long enough to just hear and it's like I feel like I'm catching up because I have a feeling like there's something, there's moments of clarity and joy and peace that are waiting for me, but I have to quiet myself enough to hear it. And that has been so life-changing and hopeful in a world that is not hopeful that I am just, I'm so excited about Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That is so exciting. It's hard to find stillness Mm -hmm. like that. But I feel like when you do and you listen, your gut and yourself 
it never leads you astray. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. Last question. What do you think is the biggest catalyst for your business success? I guess I would ask first what success, like success means different things to everyone. Mm. Like, do you mean how much money I make or like what, because I define my success so differently than I think maybe other people. Mm -hmm. So what I see as my biggest success is probably not what people think. I think in my mind, success is you being able to have your business and also have a life that you love and that you're happy with. I guess it would be that I have like this one life and I just want it to be so happy and freeing and valuable. And I am the only person who's going to do that for me. You know, I have a wonderful partner, but like, why would I spend every moment working towards what I want the most and making my life fit my desires? Like, for what my life looks like. And so I'm not a people pleaser. Like I don't need to make their life how their life could be. I can support them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But in the end, like I want my house to be a place that I walk in and it's safe there. And I want my relationships to be good. I want to have money so that I can do good things and I can travel and I can retire. Mm -hmm. So I think when you have a, a goal of like, what do I want my life to be? And kind of get rid of anything that isn't contributing to that goal, it it's it helps you towards that success because your success is your definition. Mm-hmm. Now, other people might look at you and think you're not successful at all. You know, like it, your success might be that you're a stay-at-home mom and like you make these dinners that you're really proud of and you don't take a picture of them. And then you watch TV with your spouse and you feel super comfortable together. That's huge success because it's what you want your life to be. My success just happens to be Instagrammable. Mm -hmm. That's the only difference between my success and the person next to me. Like we can all have success as long as you make sure you're defining it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm glad that you paused me and asked what success meant because it is, that is so true. And there are so many different versions of success that people are posting on Instagram. There are just you have to find your purpose. You have to figure out what it looks like for you. And that will allow you to take intentional action every single day mm-hmm. and, and make the most of every moment. So I love that. Thank you. Mic drop moment. <laughs> okay. Wrapping things up. What are some things that you're working on right now that people can expect to see from you in the coming months? Well, as I mentioned, I'm kind of slowing down. We're kind of transitioning the podcast a little more. Our relationship podcasts have become very popular. We were surprised by that. So we're kind of working on how do we be vulnerable, but still protecting our relationship. We actually have had a couple podcasts we've just completely trashed because they were way too personal. We do have an extremely personal one we recorded six months ago and decided to wait on it to make sure we still felt okay about it. Basically how the first year of our marriage was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Just because I think people see like marriages that have been well-established and think, oh, like it looks so easy. I'm like, it's not. And I think it's helpful for Mm -hmm. people to hear that. What am I working on? I'm I'm working on some, I like to teach people to do what I do because I think it can be very, very helpful for the communities that they're in. There are a lot of influencers who haven't niched down to a local level that I think can be very, very helpful. So I'd like to move into that. I do consulting for that, but I'd like to do it kind of on a broader scale. 
so yeah, I don't have, honestly, I'm, I'm having three surgeries next year. And so I'm going to slow down a little bit, but you mm -hmm. might see me be pretty vulnerable in those things. I would like mm -hmm. to bring some awareness to, you know, what I'm going through and, and help people feel comfortable to talk about some of those struggles. Mm -hmm. I know that something will come up that I'm like, oh, wait, I'm doing this cool thing, but I'm right now it's, I'm just kind of excited to see what comes and, and, uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I think that you're very brave for sharing the process and not like the outcome all the time and people admire and look up to that. So well, thank, thank you for you. doing Appreciate that. It. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on Confessions of a CEO. I'm excited to share this episode with the world. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. Thanks so much to our sponsors for supporting local dialogue. We encourage you to check them out online. Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group is at www.waypointidaho.com. Bryce Gonser of Fulcrum Home Loans is at www.fulcrumhomeloans.com. And Dr. Dustin Portella of Treasure Valley Dermatology can be found at www.dermatologyboise.com and on Instagram at drdustinportella.